21.17, the new hour on the Tuesday, 4th of October, 2022, Viewpoint Show. This is the second and last for this week, of course, and we move right into the second hour with you until at the top of this hour. And our guest this evening is Dr. Linnaeus Huenda, immunologist, global health policy expert, and founder and CEO of Medicines for Africa. The conversation for this evening is Africa is facing a non-communicable diseases time bomb, but we can diffuse it. And of course, when we talk about public health care systems on the African continent, and in many countries it's even a private health care system, one gets the sense that governments are, generally speaking, failing their people. One doesn't obviously want to use a typical inflammatory rhetoric that seems to have characterized descriptions of African politics and socioeconomic institutions directed at building, if you like, the democracies of the continent. But at times, the truth is the truth, and it can only be spoken as the truth. And when we talk about Africa facing an uncommunicable diseases time bomb, and there being sufficient time to nonetheless diffuse it, I suppose the one way to engage this conversation is to engage it with those who are at the coalface of what indeed is happening on the continent. So with that brief introduction, let's welcome Dr. Lenia Swenda. Doc, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM Viewpoint. Doc, you can hear me? There seems to be a breakdown in communication between the guest on the line. Of course, we're talking about the burden of non-communicable diseases in African countries being a ticking time bomb that, if not mitigated against by whole-scale changes at a political, at an economic, in many respects as well, social and civic level, this time bomb will obviously explode with a lot of collateral. And the question is, how does the continent draw inspiration from the more established public health care systems of the world whilst contemplating the issues and the conditions on the ground and then using what resources are available to us and the opportunities, for instance, those brought through by the advent of technology, the fact that Africa continuously has a population's mean age that is just getting younger. I think by most assessments now, the mean population age on the African continent are 19-year-olds, people more than likely to be less patient with poor governance on the continent. Lenius, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Songhezo. It's my pleasure to join you. Thank you so much for offering us your time. If you were a bird and had the good IQ, as well as EQ, I suppose, to take a snapshot of the African continent <laughs> and the three critical issues that remain as impediments in the overall picture of our public health care system, what would you say are the three things on the continent that simply cannot wait a day for them to be corrected or addressed or one way or the other attended to to change altogether the landscape? Sonezo, I think, wow, just three. I think I would say that um, on the topic of non-communicable diseases, which are really illnesses that cannot be passed on from one person to another, the big thing that I think cannot wait is the way we deliver health care to people in our communities. At the moment, we have 
all over the continent, including in South Africa. We have health systems that have been built around single diseases and um, and just a few single diseases, a few, you know, HIV, tuberculosis, malaria, neglecting everything else that is affecting uh, the majority of, of, of the population, things like cancer, diabetes, uh, heart problems, all those kinds of issues that that are big issues w- within communities and and so what is happening is that people go to the community clinic and they are not able to get those services because of the way the health system is structured is not being able to to provide what those people who are affected by diabetes by by cancer by by um heart problems being able to diagnose them and to be able to put them on treatment so that we can get those people keep those people in the workforce give them a good quality of 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 health so that's that's one thing the integration Mm. of care at the primary care level and then of course in order to do that you need money you need resources we need to put more resources towards treating these problems because for many decades now Mm. every single health system on the african continent has neglected these problems um and and i can i can go into detail into the reasons why that is but those issues have been neglected we're not catering to those health needs and so they remain unmet money more finance investing into training the health workforce, into generating the knowledge, the know-how in terms of how we should be caring for people who are affected by these problems within our specific context, uh, the African context where we have limited resources, we don't always have the guidelines that reflect uh, the situations within our clinics. How do we actually put all of those together in order to improve care for, for, for people who are affected in our communities. Let's talk, I mean, let, let's go back to what, two decades now around the reimagining of the African Union 2002 officially launched here in South Africa. But in 2001, the Abuja Declaration, admittedly focusing on HIV and AIDS, TB and other infectious diseases, what it was ultimately intended to do was to encouraging was to encourage African governments to spend a minimum of 15% of GDP on health care. Many African countries are not doing that. Now, for yes. two decades, year on year, that target has not been met. Mm. Let's think of it in the inverse. What might the picture look like if 15% of South Africa and every other African nation's GDP was spent on healthcare and improving just the overall experience for the patient, for the consumer, how this issue that we are now talking might have been attended. What might the picture have looked like? What was the intention behind all of this? Yes, so the intention was obviously a record. Well, firstly, there was a recognition that we were not. African countries are not spending anywhere near what they need to spend in order to be able to meet all of the health needs that populations in every single country 
including South Africa, are facing. And that means, you know, the, the things that we all worry about, the, the big things, the HIV, the malaria, the TB, and everything else that we haven't traditionally always looked, looked at. And so there was a recognition that we were not meeting those needs and we needed to increase the resources that are available for us to be able to cover everything that we need to cover in order to, to maintain healthy populations. So governments committed to the free percent in their budget declaration that Mm. you are speaking of and no one is meeting that but imagine if we had met that if we had started if every government on the continent had started to invest that 15 percent of gdp on healthcare, i think that we would be a lot further in terms of how we provide in terms of the level of unmet health needs that we have at the moment, I imagine that there would be less neglect of mm-hmm. these health problems uh, that that we we completely uh, do not cater for or, or or are simply not able to meet at all. Things like cancer, diabetes, the non-communicable diseases that we're talking about, the gaps in terms of the the care that is available would be much smaller. It means that Gogomashanko, who might be in in Pumalanga province, mm. if she goes to her community health clinic and she has high blood pressure, she has uh, high blood sugar um, that is uncontrolled and, and, and you know, perhaps, you know, she, she might even have cervical cancer. We would have the facilities, the expertise, the manpower to be able to actually look at her specific needs as an individual that she may be needing HIV medication, but she also has all these other chronic health problems in addition to the to, to, to that big problem that we currently uh, most health systems would look at and so we would be able to meet all of those needs at her community clinic closest to her home without necessarily incurring a big expense to go somewhere to a secondary hospital uh, you know uh, at a provincial level to be able to simply get a diagnosis that yes Gogomashangu you have uh, high blood pressure you have high blood sugar level and we need to treat you for that in addition to the chronic disease that you have of HIV AIDS or tuberculosis. Mm, mm, mm. Now, the global statistics, of course, on non-communicable diseases probably would suggest that this bomb has exploded or certainly the pin has been pulled and we are now starting to smell its gases. I mean, for instance, non-communicable diseases kill something in the region of 41 million people each year, the equivalent of something like 70% plus Mm. of all deaths in the world. Mm. I would imagine the figure for Africa probably mirrors that and I hate the idea that I'm thinking it probably is worth. This of course has a major impact even in the stability of communities, communities in this instance particularly being homes where there are unique challenges. How then does just this health, if you like, neglect become a governance failure because failing to attend the infrastructure, the necessary healthcare advocacy, reducing the numbers, how this eats into the economy and means of productions because you're losing skills, you're losing minds, you're just using older people more than younger people Mm, who then mm, create social problems for these governments. Is that a conversation within the conversation that is being had loud enough or often enough? You know, I think 
the, the, the fact that we don't talk about this conversation, the impact that these problems have had, the disproportionate impact that mm. they have within the, our communities where they tend to affect the most, the poorest people in our communities, the most vulnerable people in our communities. They are the hardest hit. And, and, and that means loss of um loss of income at a at an individual level at a family level with major repercussions in terms of our ability to send kids to school and 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 to 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 um to do many things that 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 um you know requires finance at a community level and of course with repercussions for the for the for the um for the economy i think we need to talk about this more i think part of the problem um yes, Yes, it is a governance problem in terms of how we have, um, as governments, how our governments have structured the health system and mm. built it around single diseases, neglecting or ignoring the fact that we have, you know, these problems it's that in 2000... Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. In in two thousand, these diseases were responsible for twenty four percent of deaths, and by twenty nineteen, that number has risen to thirty seven percent of deaths on the African continent. And in some countries, the the levels are as high as fifty to eighty eight percent in the island, small island nations, mm. due to these non communicable diseases. And the impact, of course, on communities is huge. In in South Africa alone, um, you know, the Minister of Health, Dr. Joe Fala has already indicated that they are a leading cause of death and disability, you know, and, and, and so much revenue is lost at an individual level, at a family level. So, so, so really, we need to talk about them more because they have a significant impact on the, the, the development of, 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 of nations. And what makes them even worse is that the prevalence of, of, of these problems is that individuals are affected not just by one chronic problem. A person might have high blood pressure, they would have high blood sugar level, they might have, you know, on top of that HIV. So you have individuals with multiple of these problems and, and and so that has an impact on the life of, you know of families in the social cohesion of communities in the development of of of, of uh, economies so we need to talk about them more let's talk about only but one item and of course there are many aspects or factors that we can incorporate into this conversation for instance we've touched on but not nearly enough on the socio-economic impact if the last two points that we were talking about is anything to go by but even the low-hanging fruit of say engaging the question of behavioral risk factors we know alcohol has a role to play we know tobacco has a role to play and poor dieting, you know, our inability to engage our food and use it optimally. To what extent then is this an easy inroad that can have a significant impact in the numbers that you have lamented by simply addressing how we engage the sins of liquor and tobacco and our inability to truly maximize on the nutritional value of how we grow our food, source it, prepare it, and consume it? 
those are real major um, low-hanging fruit, like you rightly point out, because one thing to mention about these non-communicable diseases is that a lot of them are preventable, and and, and, and they are known ways, they are known things that we can do to prevent them, to reduce our risks as individuals of being affected by them. So I think the, the things like what we eat, the choices that we make in terms of the food that we're eating in our homes, um, the the level of alcohol consumption with within our communities, and and the choices to be you know sedentary, you know the the difference between whether you walk to the to the to the supermarket or you take a taxi, you know those things you know could be it could could significantly uh, make a difference in terms of limiting or reducing the the the, the potential. For, for developing some of those those challenges um, but I think part of the problem you know from 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 what I notice is that we have in our community started to idolize eating you know foods that are nutritionally poor um, we have things in our communities that 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 are rich in nutrition the foods that we have always traditionally have our traditional foods are very very rich in nutrition but many a times we choose um, to forego those we choose something else because of the perception that that is better to have a burger instead of having your green veggies from 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 the market, for instance. So I think governments have a lot of tools that could that they could deploy that could have significant impact by making it easier for communities, for individuals to have to make healthier choices. That means also looking at the cost of food, healthy food, fruit and vegetables, how much it costs for families to be able to access those things. Those things would make a big difference in terms of, you know, enabling um, people, families to, to make healthier choices. I think it's, it's, it's about the bottom line is what structures governments put in place in terms of information, just providing people with information, understanding what choices they can make to be healthier, to reduce their risks. I think those things would go a long way in terms of just reducing the risks that we face as individuals. So on present facts, how does this then move us in the direction of the sustainable development goals of 2030? I mean, if we are talking about food security, the reduction of poverty, access to primary health care, and the necessary social protections that governments individually and as a consortium of governments on the continent from an integration perspective, all of these SDG goals, the 17 goals, are fundamentally threatened because if healthcare is not met, so many other goals, goals linked to ultimately access to good primary yeah. healthcare are not met, therefore it just compromises the entire value chain. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, this whole project that we have for sustainable development goals, it starts with the health of an individual. That's where we start. If we cannot make sure that, uh, uh, you know, um, you yourself 
I owe myself, I can work and take care of my family and an income and, and, and with repercussions that that has to, to the local economy, to the national economy, that, that the idea, the ideal of sustainable development goals is, is really not unattainable. So I think we have to start by having a plan. Right. You know, we I, in South Africa, people always say, let's nothing is impossible. Let's make a plan. And and so I think, you know, what we have seen, at least in South Africa, you you know, the government recently developed a, a, a national strategic plan for the prevention and control of, of non-communicable diseases to to reduce the premature death. Because one of the biggest impact that this has, these illnesses have, is that they are affecting the youngest people within our communities. You have a lot of premature death. Young young mothers, you know, who are still to raise their children, the, the, the people who earn money within families. So I think that, you know, having a plan you know, can can really help countries, governments to 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 have a systematic way of tackling this problem. And South Africa's, you know, um, uh, plan basically they have set targets in terms of what it is that we we have to achieve. You know, between 2022 and 2027, mm. in terms of reducing premature deaths, having more preventive measures being taken, and putting people who need treatment and care on treatment. So the the targets have been set. So so there is something to aim for and actions, specific actions that that needs to be taken in order to reduce diabetes, heart disease disease, mental illness, lung diseases, and cancer. But the concern is that the, the, the targets that, for, for instance, South Africa has set are so much lower. We are, we are not being ambitious enough. They are lower than the targets that have been set for HIV, for instance. So we have to bear in mind, I, I understand that we have to bear in mind that the, the, these are the very first targets ever to be set in the entire history mm -hmm. of, of South Africa. So it's a place to start, but we need to, to, to dream bigger. For HIV, um, the, the plans are a lot more ambitious. South Africa plans to, you know, aims to, to make sure 90% of people with HIV know their status, um, HIV status, and 90% percent of those who know they are HIV starters should be on treatment. And of those, 90% should be virally suppressed, which means mm, they should mm. have such low viral levels that they are not able to pass it. So it's a way of controlling the spread of the spread of HIV within the population, which is it's, it's a big ambition. These are big numbers. But for, for, for NCDs, for non-communicable diseases, the plan is is that by 2027, we need to have 90% of adults knowing that they have high blood pressure or high blood sugar. And we're aiming for 60% of those who know that they have high blood pressure or high blood sugar to be on treatment. And only half... Um, you know, of, of those should 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 have uh, their condition under control. But considering that we have neglected these problems for so long, these are such low numbers. And, and, and my fear, my concern is that we, we may struggle 
to, to reach these, these targets if we do not change the way we treat people um, that the, the, the plan is designed to help those low-hanging fruits that you, you spoke about, sure. the policies around healthy choices um, in, 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 in food, the nutrition, the food security, you know, alcohol consumption, tobacco consumption, all of those things. Unless we get our ducks lined up in, 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 in order, we are not going to be able to meet those uh, those targets. And so sustainable development goals, as, as, as you speak Yeah, look, we can talk forever tool. about this, um, yes. Lenis. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but certainly we do appreciate your passion for the subject. And you probably will get another invite to engage some of the issues that you have raised because I think there's a lot of content just for South Africa alone and the fact that Medicines for Africa is located here coming off um, Geneva. So there's plenty of subject matter here just for another day. For now, thank you so much for your time.